When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody welcome back into a brand new episode of dimming the gaslight so shit man i hyped this shit up online and uh i put out an instagram post yesterday about i have probably the biggest news that i've ever had to reveal on this podcast um it would feel very oh i don't know what the word would be i guess non-conclusive or incomplete if i didn't have my former lawyer here with me Brittany. Parisi, are we going by Crawford now, or what are we going by? Yeah, I think we're going by Crawford now, actually. Brittany Parisi Crawford, actually, could work. Well, congr- but, yeah. Congratulations. A, Thank you. And welcome Thank back you. to the show for, God, this has got to be like the fifth or sixth time you've been here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, especially under these circumstances. Yeah, man. I well, you know what the nice it. thing is? You've always been on this podcast as my lawyer, and for the first time ever, you're not my lawyer, you're my friend. You and I have gotten very, very, very close over, what, the last year and a half? And uh, I guess we're trauma bonded to each other now because we've been through so much shit together that, like, that's kind of where our friendship is forged in. But you and I have always had great ideas. We've always had a good relationship. And, you know, you may not be my lawyer anymore, but now you're my friend. Man, I'm happy to be it. No, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Honestly, I've always said this, that we... We work so well together. We're a very good team, right? right? You pushed me. I pushed you. You came to me with an amazing collection of evidence, blew my mind, changed the way I do things in the future for everybody else, Um, you know, basing it off of how how you organize your your evidence. Um, And and so I've always enjoyed working with you. But, yeah, no, I'm happy to be here, and especially in the friend capacity because now we get to, you know, we get to talk and delve into different territories. Yeah. Well, let's delve into the territory why people are listening here today. So I have been preparing for my DV trial. I have been compiling my evidence and like, it's pretty cool because I know exactly where I'm going to go step by step by step, piece of evidence by piece of evidence by piece of evidence. And it's in the hundreds, man. I am ready to do this. Right. And so I, the other day, had been calling the courts because two reasons. Number one, I need to know how to subpoena witnesses. As a pro se litigant, I need the judge's approval in order to subpoena witnesses. So I had been calling the courts for that. And I had also been calling the courts to find out, as I said in a prior episode of the podcast, who's going to do my my direct examination? Because normally a lawyer does that. So... I had been calling the courts over and over and over and leaving voice messages and I was never getting a response and I was getting super frustrated about it. And, uh, 
so I called one day, left a message, and it had snowed here in New Jersey. And we had like seven or eight inches of snow last week. And again, didn't get to the courts. The following day, I just so happened to be out to lunch with Brittany. <laughs> and while Brittany and I were out to eat lunch, my phone rings and it says New Jersey Judiciary System. And I said, oh shit, oh shit. And so I pick up the phone and they say, hi, is this Mac? And I said, yes, it is. And they said, um, I'm returning your phone call that you left. And I said, okay, great. And I said, well, here's my questions. I said, I need to know how to subpoena witnesses and who's going to do my direct examination. And they said, Mac, I don't think you know. And I said, I, I don't know what. And they're like, she dropped the restraining order yesterday. And my jaw dropped. And I looked at Brittany and she's like, what? What? And I said, okay. I said, so there's not going to be any hearing next week? And Brittany's jaw dropped. I was just going to say, and that's when my jaw dropped. And Brittany's and like, why I'm not? Why not? And I, and I mouthed, dropped it. And she said, what? And she threw her hands up in the air. And I just put my hands on my head in complete disbelief. And as I'm telling the story now, I have goosebumps running up my neck. And I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what to feel in the moment. Unbeknownst to me, I guess the day before, she did a Zoom with the judge and voluntarily dropped a TRO that has been in effect for over 500 fucking days. And I hung up the phone. I said, okay, thank you. I still have a um, appearance for that. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, an uncontested divorce. But I looked at Brittany and I just put my phone face down and Brittany looked like a kid in a candy store jumping up and down. And I didn't move, right? Like I didn't know what to do, what to feel. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I was I was in disbelief too. But that right there was like, instantly I knew, oh my God, we won. We won. We won. We won. And you know what? We both know. Listen, the next and her attorney are listening to this right now. And you say we won and they're rolling their fucking eyes. But listen, at the end of the day, I would have loved to cross-examine this, this piece of shit. I would have loved to cross-examine her. But the end result is my name is cleared. There's another false TRO that is no longer in effect. And she didn't, again, uh, the one th word I kept saying over and over is I'm, I'm happy with my patience because I, I fought tooth and nail just to stay patient. Go ahead. You're happy with your patience? Uh, I was very happy with your patience. You know, I always said that to you as well. I said, you've always been very patient and understanding of the system, even when the system has been unnecessarily delayed or, um, unfair right unfair that's an understatement uh, that's an understatement i know First well here's the thing time. right why was it taking me calling them to figure out what the procedural things are for me to do and find out in court for them to call me to tell me that the restraining order had been dropped why wasn't uh, i a part of the goddamn zoom when she dropped it, it, it that's the other thing that that that's the other thing that i can say is not common practice okay so uh, to put that put that correctly it's common practice for the 
defendant in a restraining order trial to be present or have knowledge at least of the dismissal in advance or at the time that it's occurring. It seems to me that someone dropped the ball along the way. Shocker. Um, yeah, are we surprised? No, we're not. But again, it's hard to be mad about it because the outcome is exactly what we wanted. But I want to go back and address something quickly because it took you a while. I don't think anyone knows this, but it took you a while to get to the point where you would accept that a dismissal would be an outcome you could live with. Listen, I know it's anticlimactic for the sake of a podcast. This is real life talk. I'm not on trial. I don't have anything looming over my head. And by far, one of my favorite conversations that you and I have ever had is our conversation about legal justice and social justice. And to this fucking day, man, you know, like I've always made the comparison of like a poker game and like she hasn't played the game better than me. She just sat down at the table with all the chips. Now I feel like legally the chips are 50-50. Socially, I've got 110% of the fucking chips. And I'll tell you what, Brittany, I have, she can see me, nobody else can see me right now, but let me crack my fingers a little bit to do this, because I've been waiting to fucking do this for a long time, okay? I know the next is listening, I know her lawyer is listening, she is the biggest fucking coward that has ever walked the fucking earth, man. She put, what was the last 500 days for? What was it for? And what did it do to your kids? What did it do to the, I mean, we have videos of the kids crying that they miss me, running up to me, crying that they miss me. Remember the goddamn, uh, when I was at the YMCA and had monitored visits for one hour a week and we have called, we have videos of the kids running in and hugging me and crying. Oh, it's devastating. Brittany's shaking her head right now. I could barely watch it. I remember, I remember when you sent it to me, I I could, I I put it on first, not even maybe five seconds in, right? I see both of them and I, I see your daughter crying and then I see your son coming in crying, but your daughter's really sobbing. Yeah. And I, I, I And like, that's what she did to these fucking I couldn't watch it. And that's the thing is like, she's going to listen to this and she's going to say, oh, it's because they're so scared of him and they don't want to be around him. That's horseshit. That's horseshit. I don't know why she doesn't think that I have tons of fucking evidence and everything, but like going back to the social justice, I think it all fell for her when Rebecca reached out to me. I did an episode you know, two episodes actually with my next's best friend, Rebecca, who was also going to be a witness in the trial. And when Rebecca saw the light and came to me, yeah, her best friend, my ass. Her ex-best friend. Her ex-best friend. Well, under under oath, she said it was her best friend. When I think Rebecca came to me and shout out to Rebecca, if you're listening, I thank you so much. I'm so glad that we reconnected. Um, But I think that's when she started seeing that this was going nowhere. I will say, uh, you know, Rebecca's real people, and I, I do have a lot of respect for the fact that um, Rebecca came, you know, back, I would say, or just came, you know, into the picture yeah. um, at the time that she did, or back into your, into your life, let's put it that way, at the time that she did, um, and, you know, what she offered up you know, on the podcast, and just, uh, you know, 
what she, you know, was like basically offering up to say, hey, I will tell the truth on the stand. You know what I haven't told you? And I could edit this out if you don't like it. But so Rebecca told me a story, I think, earlier this week where so my next, of course, you know, she wants to um, insert herself into all the kids activities. And Fireman John is a lacrosse coach. And now she's pressing my son to play lacrosse. And so my next is now the coach of the lacrosse team. And the other coach of the lacrosse team, I mean, the kids are seven. The other coach of the lacrosse team said to Rebecca, like, why the fuck is this girl coaching with me? She doesn't know shit about lacrosse. You know what I mean? Did she ever play? No, she never played. No. So, like, the the other man who's coaching lacrosse is like, what the fuck is she doing coaching with me? That's what she told Rebecca. And listen, at the end of the day, man, it's like, like I said, I have all the chips. All the social justice is now mine. As far as I know from Rebecca, Nicole, and other people who have reached out to me that don't want to come on the podcast, but they have told me that she's going to run off and marry Fireman John and move to his town because she can't make it in Pleasantville anymore. And besides the fact that she's fucking engaged, I mean, I could see that happening relatively soon. At the end of the day, I don't care. It's about my kids, and I'm so glad that she's somebody else's problem. But going back to the TRO... I don't have anything looming over my head. I am glad that, I mean, I did. I won. I won because it's over. And I had that immediate feeling of, I don't know how to feel. And then about 10 minutes later, I bawled my eyes out. And you just kind of sat there and got it. You know, you understood. And um, and then it was just like calling friends and family members and all my friends and family members. We all share the same sentiment. She's a fucking coward, 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 coward. I love that your attitude is that, you know, you won because this is done, right? Mm-hmm. That is such a great attitude to have. And, and most litigants, most clients have a really hard time getting to that point mm-hmm. and understanding that. I think it took you a minute to get to that point too, to understanding that, you know, the best thing that could happen here is this for just for this to go away. Right? You know, you know, what's funny too, is like you and I did a lot of talking when you were my lawyer about a directive verdict. And what a lot of people may or may not know is that when you're on trial, obviously the burden of proof is on the plaintiff to prove that there was an act of domestic violence. Well, you said after she puts on her case, we should just move to a directive verdict because she has no evidence. And I was like, hell no, Brittany. I was like, I want to show all my evidence. I need to put everything out there. And you were like, what bigger reward could there be than not having to put on your case? And she still lost. And that's kind of how I feel. I'm so I'm, I'm no one can see me, but I'm pumping my fist. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Because I must have mentioned that, you know, as a, a strategy, like a trial strategy option to you, uh, how many times, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, at this point, uh, at this point, we're disclosing a little bit about what our conversations were and our trial strategy was, but it's over. So, I'm yeah, okay whatever. With it if you're okay with it. Well, right? it's over. It's over. But before we got on this phone call, you and I had a conversation about my fear of what's stopping her from doing this again. Well, I see there's two questions that you would ask me over and over again. One was if I thought she was going to drop it, okay? And I honestly felt 
so sure wholeheartedly that she was never going to drop it. I always said she would live and die by this lie. Well, the thing is, is that an episode of the podcast a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about how the, the judge wanted us to move to an uncontested divorce, I said on the podcast at that time that I think she may drop the TRO because the whole point of the TRO has been a bargaining chip. And without a pending, you know, if, if they're moving us towards an uncontested divorce, what does she need a bargaining chip for? So I think that's part of, I mean, that's that's kind of why she dropped it. Another thing is, is that I did an episode about in-laws last week and how her family are a bunch of scumbags. And I think maybe Daddy Dearest, his pockets might have gotten a little shallow. I think also, this is a great point that you brought up about, why don't you tell the story, about lawyers looking a little late at evidence. What did you tell me about that? Okay, right. So, I mean, obviously, we've had conversation trying to figure out, you know, why now, right? Why <laughs> drop it now? Because what has this all been for? Mm-hmm. Who did this help? What did she accomplish? I just want to add one thing in here. Um, you know, it, yes, I understand what your point about if they're trying to move you to an uncontested divorce, why does she need, you know, the leverage of a restraining order? But at the same time, she didn't even ask you to sign any civil restraints that, you know, ha- where you would agree not to stalk, harass. Because it's not necessary because you know. I never did. I'm not the one who put an air tracker on myself, fucking bitch. Well, and that's the point that I'm trying to make is that that's very telling, right? Right. That they, they didn't even, they didn't come with any demands to drop it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with respect of her, like in the respect of her protection, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So Please. everything she said up there was bullshit. Right. We already knew that, but but you could just tell by the way it was handled at the end that it was almost like they would were embarrassed for you to know, and that's why maybe you they didn't notice you. Honestly. Listen, I put out a teaser for this episode yesterday, and there's this band called. Angel Maker or some shit, and the song's called Leech, and the first line is, you're a fucking coward. <laughs> it's called Leech? It's called Leech. Oh, I'm thinking, what if it was called, you fucking mooch? You fucking mooch, that's an inside joke. Well, we could talk about favorite parts of the trial. Of uh... We could, we could. I feel like we just, I just left something off, though. Oh, no, what I, what I asked you before is, what do, about the lawyers looking at evidence yes. late? Okay, so in trying to make sense of the nonsensical, right, which we always have to remind each other to try not to make sense of the narcissist, right? Um, But it's hard not to at the end of the day, especially, you know, uh, when this has been going on for so long. Mm -hmm. So why now? The question is why now? Um, And honestly, one theory I I could come up with is that, you know, I've seen this in practice um, and, you know, the lawyers will too often make the mistake of not looking at their client's full set of evidence or the other side's evidence until, you know, the 11th hour, right? Till mid-trial. And they now, had my evidence over a year ago. So March. we, here's a funny story for you. Um, well, you already know this story, but for the listeners. So my kids have met my girlfriend and I don't know what was going on. My girlfriend and my daughter were making dinner one night and my daughter said something about mommy having a work call on a Saturday 
and the uh, the kids were dropped off at my old in-laws house. And my daughter said something to my girlfriend about um, mommy had a call with a, an important work call that took all day long. And we were at mom, mom and poppy's house. And uh, my girlfriend told me this story and we both looked at each other and we both thought preparing on a Saturday. She's preparing. So I think maybe my Nexus scumbag lawyer took a look at the evidence and might have said, oh, I'm not sacrificing my career for you. You're a fucking jerk. I mean, that was definitely my original theory as well. Um, along this line that, you know, there's no way she had looked at the evidence prior to now. There's literally no way. She may still because... not have. She There's no way that she has looked at the evidence, but... Will she put, do another DRO again, you think? I don't think we really surmise that. The yeah. second question I asked is, can she put another restraining order on me? Can she legally? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Can she try to legally? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, because this, she would, though, have to claim there was a new act of, you know, domestic violence. Okay. Uh, but again, you know, the, act, the predicate act or the alleged act of domestic violence claimed here was a lunge, right. which doesn't qualify um, as an act of domestic violence under the law in the state of New Jersey, uh, which is called the um, Prevention of Domestic Violence Act. It certainly doesn't constitute harassment, which is what she pled yeah. in her temporary restraining order and her amended restraining order. So, um, you know, could she... Yes, I always tell people, just the way I discuss with you is social justice versus legal justice, I always um, you know, tell people, can somebody sue you? Absolutely. But I really think the question you're asking is, if she tried to do this again, okay, and make another false allegation, do you think, Brittany, in your opinion, that she would get away with it, right? And that it would happen again. And I, I think the courts look at her like a joke. But it's, it's well, I certainly didn't think she was going to get an FRO this time, okay? So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this, the false allegation to obtain a TRO. Mm -hmm. Because we, what do we know? What have we, what have we learned from the past 500 days? That all it takes is for somebody to make up a lie, mm -hmm. okay? And have the right police officer in front of them. Mm -hmm. and that, that you went officer, to high school with. Right. I 1,000% believe that gender played a significant role here in you not being even offered a restraining order on 9-15 yeah. and your next being offered a restraining order the same day within like, I don't know what, 40 minutes. That's huge. That's huge. And, and that speaks just as a bigger problem and a bigger <coughs> issue. Right. So but to answer the question, I don't think... You know, I really think she would have a hard time getting a judge on an ex parte basis, meaning when she's trying to apply for a temporary restraining order in the first instance, right, without you there. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, she would have to tell the court she would have to or else she'd be lying under oath, which we know oh, she's no. willing to do. She would never do something like that. We know she's willing to do, but still the judge would be able to look up in the system whether there had been any other um, restraining order or ethics 
v dockets yeah right, okay? right. and um, so the court would know that there had been two other restraining orders that were filed by her and dropped hopefully the court would put together that this is a pattern but the bigger point is hopefully the court would put together that this restraining order was dropped in the middle of trial after 500 days yeah which is telling and really speaks for itself you know what we never did and i feel like we should do now because what? fuck it trial's over the next knows a lot about restraining orders, right? And it's not just because of this. It's not just because of this situation. I wasn't expecting us to go here. Okay, let's do it. Back in 2002, I believe it was, someone got a restraining order on the next. And we looked into it. I shared on this podcast that I had reached out to my next's old boyfriend, DJ. And DJ told me it was not him. Was not him who got the restraining order. He told me the person who may have. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect to go down this route either, but fuck it, man. Gloves are off, chains are off. Let's talk real. The reason the next knows so much about restraining orders, someone put one on her and we found out she violated it. And now it's a matter of how yep. found it. Wasn't that hard. Wasn't that hard, bro. So that's how she knows about them. And, uh, I mean, it just goes to show she's an abusive piece of shit. Because I, I want to go back and I want to see if it's okay if we mention this. Um, so I do want to make one point, though, here. So I, I thought it was really telling that when you made contact with um, one of her exes, that they almost appeared scared. He didn't really want to, I mean, a little bit scared, but also to the point where, like, he was like, yo, it's ancient history, you know, um, he's like, he said he went through a lot, and it's like 12 years later at this point, and he really doesn't want to rehash that scar, that scab, and I don't really blame him, you know, if it was like a girlfriend that I had 12 years ago, but then again, I'm also kind of an empathetic person, so I might be like, all right, I'm willing to hear you out. Yeah, but I just think that that means that that scar, that scab is really deep, really yeah. still like kind of raw maybe not raw but... no but 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 I, okay you're right not raw but just um it's it, maybe he's not fully healed from it i don't know i don't want to speculate about i mean i'm sure she I, fucks people up left and right that's my point that is my point is that you know that that's also something that i think it's important for you to consider right that once this divorce is over you are going to have to almost grieve the loss of the litigation that is a real thing you know what yeah totally i've and i've compared to do a whole episode on that honestly you know what's funny and like i don't know much about greek greek mythology but i've always compared it to the story of sisyphus pushing a boulder up the hill and what would i ever do if i got the boulder to the top what would i do and i like i'm looking at you you don't have the answer i don't have the answer one day i'll find out but we kind of just did though i mean think about it yeah Oh, I was devoid of any emotion when I found out the restraining order was dropped. I know. I was so pissed. You were fucking jumping up and down. And I was like. I know. I was pissed at you that you were just. I mean, I I thought you were just going to be upset because you you weren't going to have the chance to just really, you know, put everything out there that you had to to prove on the record, you know, in the court of law that the, you know, she committed perjury and just to disprove all of the lies because I I, I thought you were going to be genuinely pissed or upset about that. You weren't. You were just sort of um, you, stoic. You, you were void. Yeah, you were just like devoid of any emotion. And you went, okay, I have to go. I have to like go now. I was like, what? 
You're, we're not gonna. You can't just stay and celebrate for ten minutes with me. <laughs> I had to go cry. I know, but it was just interesting. Cause it's like, okay, yes, yeah, see you later, bye. <laughs> I was just so mad. But, I'm sorry, but no, I mean, no, no. But I mean, obviously, we talked later. I mean, we talked the next day, and I understood why. Um, I understood why, and it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me, but you know, I had to have my own reaction. You know, then in private by myself. Well, I didn't and, know what I was gonna do. Again, I, I didn't know what I was. I didn't know how my body would react, because like, mm-hmm. That's yeah, something to talk about. yeah, it's weird. I don't know how my body would react, and it took about ten or fifteen minutes for just the absolute snot and sobbing, and uh, you know, I put my the palms of my hands into my eyeballs and just uh, part of me is like, what was this for? And the other part is like, you fucking coward. And the other part is like, it's over. Like it's over. Um, and the thing is too, I mean, so I didn't get the actual court order from the court clerk until two days later. So I was like, is this true? But the funny thing is we didn't talk about this yet. So I called the Nexus lawyer and I said, hi, Nexus lawyer. I just heard from the court that the, that the TRO has been dismissed. She's like, correct, Mac. And I was like, great. I was like, oh, that's so good. Do you have a court order to send me? And she's like, no, not at this time. And I was like, okay. I was like, what do you know about court next week and the uncontested divorce? And I'm not going to go down that road because I still have that court date coming up. Um, but you know, very passive, very, very passive aggressive. Um, man, listen, there's, listen, the big win besides it being dropped, a big win is karma. And I don't really, I've never seen karma take its effect on people. You laugh so hard because one time in our family wizard, I said to next, your punishment in life is you will always be next from Pleasantville, right? And I said that to her in in our family wisdom. I said, your punishment in life is you will always be next from Pleasantville. And she's too stupid to really understand what that means. But you called me and you're like, burn! What a burn, right? Basically what you said, just to make it sound, you know, straightforward English, like your punishment is that you will always be you. Yes. You can't get away from yourself. You can't change. There's no hope. And what we did talk about is how, like, I mean, I, I, I still think to this day that is the best line I've ever heard. Um, it is the best, it's, it's, I won't even say it's the best insult because it's so true that it's just like the best yeah. thing you can Like, I could call her a scumbag and call her a piece of shit, but I called right. her, your punishment is you are next from Pleasantville. That is and your you, life punishment. You always will be. Exactly. You always will be. And then Nex's attorney's life punishment is, you know, I took a low blow at her a couple of months ago saying that I saw her on Hinge and one of her Hinge prompts back when I was single, I was on Hinge. I saw her on Hinge and one of her prompts was I get along best with people who know the value of friends and family. And I wanted so badly to write, yeah, right. You don't give a shit about my family. I hope her karma is life. Is she stays single because she fucking destroyed my family. She just she actively, intentionally kept my kids away from me, knowing that the next was a liar, and she did it anyway. So I hope her karma in life is she never got to, gets to have a family that 
I had that was a beautiful family that she fucking destroyed. So she can go fuck herself too. Amen, brother. <laughs> sorry. I have no TRO no, on sorry, me, so I'm venting. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, what do I have to apologize for? She should apologize for what she did keeping my kids away from me. Anyway, let's lighten the mood. I said before, let's talk about favorite moments of the trial. Because you mentioned before there was a time when she called me a fucking mooch. Tell that story that she talked about under oath. Well, here's my impersonation. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, it was the day of our daughter's birthday party. And we woke up and Mac was in a bad mood, as he always is. So I already knew it was going to be a bad day. So we go to Party City to pick up supplies. And uh, when we go to pay, he looks at me and says, well, aren't you going to pay? I said, no, aren't you? And he called me. And she looked right at you, says the eyes. And he called me a fucking mooch. <laughs> She looked me dead in the eyes. Goes, it was the me. scariest face I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Well, that was I, that's narc eyes. That's narcissist it, eyes. Like for you. she locked eyes with you. Yeah. And she said, "Hey, call me a fucking mooch." Can I, I mean, tell? Can I tell the truth since the yeah, trial's over? The best part is what's the truth? Oh, here's the best part. I said I have something to disprove everything, and I've told you guys collect your evidence. Well, I had a ring camera doorbell on my home. That records who comes and who goes. That morning, you see me leaving the home, and I leave the home to go to go get her birthday cake. I never went to Party City. I went to go get her birthday cake, and she stayed home with the kids. It's dated, and it's timed, you perjuring asshole. Go ahead. So the best part is that no one went to Party City that day. Nobody did. I went to go pick up her cake. The and, day that the day that she alleged you strangled her she can't even remember what store she did or did not go to that day right right another part of my favorite part i mean obviously probably the highlight of the trial is the all-star word salad of so my next was confusing dates and i don't even remember the circumstances of what she was confusing dates oh i do oh okay then you tell the story so there were certain um, text messages, I believe, or screenshots of some text messages that her lawyer was putting into evidence. And I was uh, like questioning the next, the authenticity of these documents, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was asking questions about, you know, where they came from, when, what time frame they're from, mm -hmm. okay, right? And usually like, they'd be from her phone, but if she could never nail down the time frame that they these messages were from. Mm -hmm. But then she would also say, I remember everything. Everything. So then so then at one point though, I think I was cross examining her. And I, I, I was asking, okay, so you know, I was saying, what time what time frame was this actually from? And she said, Well, you know, she said whatever the date was that was at the top of the page. Well, the date at the top of the page I said, was it because it wasn't there a restraining order in effect at the time? that the date was at the top of the page. So why would you two be communicating in text? You're not alleging here today that he violated a restraining order. Right. So that couldn't possibly be the time period that this was written. Right. And that's when. And then, so the judge goes, 
she goes, oh, I made a mistake. And then the judge said something like, you made a mistake. And she goes, correct. I was incorrect. And I looked at you and I looked at the judge and she goes, correct. I was incorrect. And I looked at the judge and listen, I know about narcissism now. And I know my next better than she knows herself. So when she said, correct, I was incorrect. Just like I am now, I can't help it. It was funny as shit. She goes, correct. I was incorrect. I was like, never has that been uttered in the history of human existence. And I snickered and I go, (laughs) and the judge goes, there'll be no laughing in the thing. And he kicked me out of the courtroom And I was like, I felt so bad. I was like, holy fuck, am I in trouble? And then whatever, he kicked me out and then he let me back in. And uh, he told me, you know, he he just put it on the record or whatever. But like that was the, and like, so that's available on the Dimming the Gaslight merchandise store. There's a shirt that says, correct, I was incorrect. My next has a shirt on the merchandise store. Correct, I was incorrect, narcissist word salad. Because she's fucking insane. I'm not going to lie, when that happened... I think the judge even like did a, a micro. Yeah, he did. He goes, head. no, because you want to know why I laughed? Because the judge what? goes, correct, you were incorrect. I don't even know what that means. It's in the, yes. uh, it's in the um, transcript. transcript. It says, correct, you were incorrect. I don't even know what that means. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, man? Um, yeah, I was shocked you got thrown out too, but I think I think he was trying to prove a point. Yeah. Um, other fun uh, favorite moments of the trial? I mean. To, to show you the direction of where the trial was going is how she wrapped up her direct examination. And she said she was in fear that I was going to murder her and the children, right? And I'll never, ever forget that her attorney goes, no further questions. And you and I, at the same time, looked at each in other unison. like in unison. unison we looked at each other and go that's it like we were both like that's their direct exam and so i remember you got up you went to the bathroom we had a couple preliminary questions they they adjourned the thing for lunch but right before we adjourned you said to the judge you said you know we want to we want him to have more parenting time and the judge granted it 10 minutes after she said that she was in fear that i was going to murder her and the children you literally read my mind because that was going to be the next thing I say as my fa- one of my favorite parts of the trial, because that was so early on, right? That was that well, it, yeah, it was so early on because that happened a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you know, every time we went to court with this judge, you got more parenting time, right? Yeah. But it was just so like hilarious. I can't even, and there's no other word I can find for it, but like hilarious that that, when you look at it, like that's the sequence of events that happened. Right. Actually went down that way. You were given additional parenting time. Yes. It was crazy. And like that. You were giving it, you were given an overnight. I I may have been given an extra overnight. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is like, if that doesn't show you the direction that the judge was leaning, I don't know what does. Well, what did I, what did I, I mean? I can I don't have a problem saying now. What would I say? What did I say all along? That that right there told showed me that we this was ours to lose because we already had the judge questioning the credibility of her statement of her statements. Yeah. Because if the judge really believed what she said was true up there about her fear or of your being capable to actually, you know, murder her or your children, mm-hmm. which is absurd. If the judge actually believed that, she, you know, she really was like fearful of that, or that you were really capable of that or possibly capable of that, the judge would never 
have given you expanded parenting time. Right. Right. So it, it, that was really, really telling. And honestly, you know, as a lawyer, if, if that was my client, uh, again, I probably have a big conversation with them after that moment saying, you know, look at what this is just what just happened. You know, are you sure we really want to go forward with this? Because it's not really going in our favor. So. That's what pisses me off so much about her attorney is that they just clung to this restraining order as, you know, a bargaining chip. And clearly it's not going to work out for them. Clearly it didn't. But yeah, so now like, I mean, again, I have a scheduled court appearance for an uncontested divorce because it hasn't happened yet. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but like, where are we going from here now, Brittany? I mean, what's it look like here now going out? I mean, I don't know. Listen, you're obviously going to finish out uh, your, your divorce case uh, on your own. Uh, but I know we're not going to talk about that. But, I mean, what does it look like here and out? I think I think that's something that's going to be evolving over time, right? I still I, – I don't think, like, this, this podcast like, dies right here. No. Right? Definitely it not. Can't. Definitely not. Because I think you have a lot – I mean, honestly, within the last year, just – we work so closely together – that you know you are so different now than you were a year ago where you can you can certainly you know help other people in your situation and i've seen it i've seen you know the people who how many people message you how many people even try to reach out to me just to say thank you to you right Mm -hmm. for the community that you've created um like it's so incredible and cool that I think it would be very empowering for people to hear about your pro se, you know, experience, but, or even more so just like, you know, okay, if you could, if you had to do it all over again and you were doing it pro se, how would you do it? Right? Yeah. I mean, something Brittany and I have done is we help people. We coach people through their divorce. So if you need any kind of coaching in any capacity, I mean, what kind of person would I be if I hadn't learned anything from this? And if I couldn't help people with this, what I was able, listen, I sound like I'm tooting my own horn and you know what? Too bad. I am. I, and you should. Yeah, man. Like I worked tirelessly to organize my evidence and I'd be willing to show people how I did it. Um, you know, cause like you can literally electronically, it's like a library. Like you could just be like, okay, I need to know this word or this date or whatever it may be. You know, we're trying to help people. I mean, that's why this, this podcast should not go away. This podcast should sort of materialize into the art of being pro se. I love that. It's, it's like a how to crash course, right? Yeah. On, you know, and, and, and in the capacity of, um, you know, we're not offering legal advice. It's not a legal advertisement. Um, Max, not an attorney. And, um, even though I am an attorney, many listeners are not, you know, in the state, uh, where I'm licensed in. Right. Right. Um, and I'd rather act in a capacity of a coach or, um, what I like to call, you know, at this point, what, what did I say the other day? 
we're the false allegation gurus. <laughs> the right? false allegation gurus. I love Heard that. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. Yeah, folks. the false allegation gurus. We truly are, man. We really man, are. I mean, I've, and I've said it a thousand times. I'm not sure if I've said it on the podcast. Maybe I have. But I just feel like my next is like one of those like world-class narcissists without the fame. Like she is evil, man. And like you've yeah. gotten to know her on a first first-hand basis. And you could speak to how evil she is, but I have to say I can't think of anyone like who, who I would say is worse that I've dealt with on yeah. the other side. I can't think of anyone worse as a disclaimer because I'm a professional. Okay, I'm not coming for her. I am not attacking your nefs. This is not me coming for her. I'm just saying I'm watching her on the stand, watching the way she lied straight through her teeth with a stone cold face with the fake crocodile tears and the way I know it's a lie is because you gave me every piece of evidence that you had painstakingly put together and I went through every single page or file or audio video whatever it was of that okay and I knew that she was lying because I had something in front of me already that disproved what she had just said yeah. okay so I'm not I have to put it out there that I'm, I'm, I'm not about like talking shit but it just didn't happen that way it just didn't happen that way but no but she but she really was she really is one of the worst and when i say the worst i think most dangerous because the most dangerous kind of person is a person who will get up on a stand and on raise their hand you know swear in and under oath under the penalty of perjury just look you in the lie the way she said you fucking mooch i mean that's and that's the funny thing that that mooch thing is tip of the iceberg about what she no no no, i know i'm just saying but the way she looked at you that's the way she would look at me when i would ask her something and she would think i know for a split second how fucking dare you ask me that question yeah you know because then she would have to come up with something very fast yeah it's a lie and you know my favorite thing to to do with your ex is just to let her talk herself into her own you know yeah right that's my favorite thing because she always did. So that's another of my favorite part of the trial, and and something honestly that that that's hard that's hard for me. I'm being a little selfish here. So it's like I was so amped for this, mm-hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, it's it's hard. I said this to you. It's like it's going to be hard for my body to let this go, mm-hmm. right? So I, I I will tell you though, hearing the other day that this was dismissed, that helped a lot. Yeah, I can I can take a deep breath now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I couldn't quite always take a deep breath because it was just, you know, this was felt like it was never going to be over. Yeah. It really did. Yeah, felt like it was never going to be over. There was always something that was getting in the way. So this was this is honestly the best outcome, and I'm so proud of you if you see it that way. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Is like it's it's that feeling of it's over, and you you know I don't know what to do with pushing this boulder up the entire time, but. Listen, I appreciate the hell out of you for standing side by side with me, holding that boulder when it should have been rolling down the hill and it was crushing me and I was calling. Man, I can remember maybe once or twice where I was intelligibly screaming at the top of my lungs, not at you, but just in like furious anger about like. Yeah, no, you never screamed at me like ever. You know, and that's so, isn't that interesting, right? Because you're being called such a dangerous, angry guy. Yeah. And in the worst time of your life, you know, uh, I'm here 
And I will tell you that I've got, I would say, 95, 97% of my clients constantly would scream at me all day mm-hmm. about just anything and everything and all their problems would be taken out of me and I'm such a piece of shit and I'm this and I'm that and okay like get in line I've heard it before <laughs> you never did that and you're supposedly this like batter oh, obviously you're not but you know she's so afraid of you you're so aggressive where like you know not only was there no evidence of that in court but outside of court my interactions with you this is why you know we became friends is that everything you always ever said to me checked out like you've been so consistent from the very beginning you'd say like you told me something first day that we met that you you know would say exactly the same like last week yeah yeah you and i talked about that recently is like because you were telling me a story recently and i was like you know what's funny i was like you told me this story like a year ago and you're telling me the story the same exact way now and that's how i know you're not lying is because you always can tell the story the same way and uh my next cannot do that but anyway listen we're coming to the end of the hour i really do really do appreciate you Honestly, I just want to say, like, I appreciate you too. And this was, this, it's been, I, I love, I love work. I loved working with you and total like highlights of my career. You know. Oh, I promised you. I remember when I first met you, I was like, Brittany, I want you to be 65, fucking an old lady and be looking back and be like, remember Mac? Mac's fucking, Mac's whole, you know, case. That was my favorite case. I said that to you. I was like, I want you to be in love with my case. You actually said that. And I was like, wow, is this guy the narcissist? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm like half joking, but still, turns out you're not. But, um, no, I... You You also said, I remember when I first met you, you were like, I was afraid you were going to be some weirdo from the internet. And I was like, well, I am. (laughs) And then I immediately liked you because it was like, he's a, he gets it. He's funny. Self-deprecating, you know, it's, it, it was... Yeah, I fell in love with your case from the beginning because you knew your case so well from the beginning. So, like I said, you made it you made it easier. You made a really complicated case easy for me to follow. Yeah, and I think that's all point that like you were trying to make for is that as I think what people need the most help with, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's something you know people can reach out to you. We can go from there. We can set up an appointment because. I'm going to be launching something official, but I'm not ready to put that out there yet. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. So, to you, cause I think a lot of people just want to talk to you about your, their story to you, honestly. Yeah. But if they want help with organizing evidence, collecting evidence, you know, how, did, how, did, how do we do it? Right. Yeah. Coaching them through that, the, the preparation process. Yes. Right? Not giving legal advice, but coaching them through how to prepare even to go to find a lawyer. Definitely yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Practical advice, not legal advice, practical advice. Um, and, you know, we can always tell you what worked for us. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. So I think people should contact you. How can they contact you? Uh, well, you can contact me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you are a great friend. A gr- hey, listen, I've told you this many times. There's, I always tell people I need uh, four quarters rather than a hundred pennies. I need the good people in my life, not a lot. And you are a, you are a silver dollar in a world of pennies. Oh, you made my day. You made me here. Thank you. So All right, much. I appreciate you.
I appreciate you too. All right. Until next time, everybody.